0: This is going to be interesting tonight. I have enough material to speak for about three hours. Yep. Yeah. So I have spent about four or five hours today pruning it. <clears throat> and I'm still not there. There's still stuff here I'm going. I'm not going to say that. Let me cross that out. And then I entered emails, took a phone call and entered a text this afternoon before I, that I shouldn't have, which made me late for tonight, so I, I'm sorry for that. So we're in James and before I read James and pray, I want to read to you two other readings from the Old Testament from a very strange prophet, his name is Ezekiel. When I was at theological college, which was last century, I was informed that Ezekiel was a prophet, a book in the Old Testament, that some um, psychological uh, students in training for psychology would actually study Ezekiel, because he's weird, man. So I want to read to you from Ezekiel chapter 36. three. And this is a promise of the Old Testament. There are a couple of them, but I just wanted to read you this one tonight from verse 22 to 27. This is God's promise to his people in the Old Testament about providing for them a change of heart, a new heart. This is God's word. Therefore say to the Israelites, this is what the sovereign Lord says. It's not for your sakes, people of Israel, that I'm going to do these things, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations where you have gone. I will show the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, the name that you have profaned among them. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Sovereign Lord, when I am proved holy before their eyes. For I'll take you out of the nations, I will gather you from all of the countries and bring you back to your own land. And I'll sprinkle clean water on you and will give you a clean heart, make you clean. And I will cleanse you from all of your impurities and from all your idols. Note verse 26. And I will give you a new heart and I'll put a new spirit in you. I will remove your heart of stone and I'll give you a heart of flesh and finally verse 27 and I'll put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to follow my laws. God promises centuries before the coming of the Lord Jesus that he would recall his people to the land and through his people, he would work a miracle of transformation. He would change their hearts of unresponsiveness, hearts of stone, and give them hearts of flesh. The reason God gave that promise, or one of the reasons God gave the promise, was because this was the attitude of the people of Israel on Ezekiel chapter 30. It's an interesting um, paragraph, passage, sorry, Ezekiel 33 and verse 30. It's where God is talking to Ezekiel who was a prophet, a preacher, his spokesman to the nation and God gives Ezekiel an insight into the attitudes of the people who are coming to listen to him. It's a pretty confrontive sort of passage. Ezekiel 33 verse 30, as for you, the Lord says, son of man, your people are talking together about you by the walls and the doors of the houses saying to each other, come and let's hear the message that has come from the Lord. Like people come to hear you, as they usually do, they sit before you to hear your words, but they do not put them into practice. Their mouths speak of love, their hearts are greedy for unjust gain. Indeed to them, you're nothing more than one who sings love songs with a beautiful voice and plays an instrument well. For they hear your words, but they don't put them into practice. When all of this comes true, and it surely will, then they will know that a prophet has been amongst them. It's interesting, isn't it? God knows what we're doing. And here he's telling Ezekiel, I want you to go and preach to them, and I know they're not going to listen to you. So, go and tell them. Because through my word, I achieve my purposes. Which is exactly where James takes us tonight in the passage that we have before us. So, I would like to pray. Pastor Charlie's not with us tonight. He's taking tonight off. He preached both messages this morning and it's his birthday tomorrow. So he's feeling older, tired, and he needs to prepare for his birthday celebrations. Let's pray. Thanks, Heavenly Father, that we can gather together. We thank you for your word and we pray, Lord, that through a pretty familiar passage that you might speak to us, that you might grow us, that you might help us to become more closer to you more like Jesus and that you might help us to be a people who don't just hear but a people who do your word to your honour, to your glory and for your purposes. We ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody said? So God promised in the Old Testament that he would provide a new heart for his covenant people, the passage I just read to you. Jesus describes this same new heart that God is going to give us in several places in the Gospels. But one very clear place he indicates that is with the parable of the soils. You know that story where a sower goes out to sow seed and some of it lands on what? Hard soil and some of it lands on shallow soil and some of it lands on... Soil has got um, thorns and thistles and other things that choke the word. And some of the soil, seeds lands on good soil which brings forth fruit... And Jesus is talking about, and the prophet, the new heart that Ezekiel and James is talking about is that fourth one. It's the new heart. The heart that receives God's word and is transformed by it and produces fruit. The thing significant about the other soils, besides the first one, which is completely resistant, doesn't receive the word at all. And there are people like that in our world. the second two number two and number three shallow soil and the one occupied with weeds and thorns and thistles and other things is that while they receive the word they listen but there is no fruit there's no change in their life and through various circumstances whether it's the heat of the sun and the shallowness of the roots or whether it's through persecution the cares of this world and other factors that choke out the influence of the Word. Soils 1, 2 and 3 bear no fruit. And James, in this passage that we are looking at tonight, is talking about writing to Christians. He's not writing to people who don't hear God's Word. He's writing to people who profess the name of Jesus. But he is challenging us, as followers of the Lord Jesus, that we need to be a people who are listening But not just listening accepting uh, implementing and following through with action in our life that there is a transformation of life's behaviors and habits and in fact if there is no transformation it's questionable in fact it's probably very likely you haven't received the word it's a very common myth floating around, it has for decades, and it's been a big debate for uh, decades in the evangelical world. So, the part of the church that is particularly, we believe the Bible, we follow Jesus, that part of the Christian church. There's a huge debate, <clears throat> which I'm not sure why it's such a big debate, but it is. And it's to do with are we saved by making a decision for Jesus? Or are we saved by Jesus that leads to works and transformation of life? Imagine a young guy, young girl, goes off to a Christian camp. Goes on the weekend; they're there for all week, four, five days. During the course of the week, they have talks, they have activities, and everything else. And each night, there is a part of the gospel presentation is given, and then on the last night. There is a gospel appeal given where people respond and this young person eight nine ten year old boy or girl goes forward makes a emotional heartfelt response to the call of Jesus on their life return home to their home church with the rest of the the campers and mum and dad are really pleased because now their child has made a decision to follow Jesus and the decision is demonstrated because they went forward at the end on that night they go to church each week after that because that's what their family does. But they don't particularly like churches. They grow older, they get churches boring. Church is not really relevant for them. They do it out of habit because that's what their family does. They grow up, they graduate from high school, they go to university, they move away from home and by now they make the choice to, oh, I'm not going to go to church. It doesn't really interest me. Don't read the Bible. Go through life, come to the point they die, Question. Are they saved or not saved? Parents derive comfort from the truth of, yes, they're saved because they made a decision at a Christian camp on that Friday night. They went forward, they made a decision. So yes, they're in. The reality? Only God knows. We don't know the human heart. But what Jesus has instructed us is... If there is no evidence of transformed life, if there is no indication of change, then we have no reason, no hope, to expect that that person is saved. A decision doesn't save us. Jesus saves us. And those whom Jesus saves, he transforms. And there is clear evidence in their life of that transformation. Having said that, we can't judge another person. You can look at their fruit and say, well, they may or may not be, but God knows, we don't know the human heart. We cannot say, that person is not a Krishna, you don't know. God knows. I've told you the story before, but I've been here for so long, you've probably forgotten, and some of you wouldn't have been born, probably, when I told the story. A pastor friend of mine, his name is Bob Prince. <clears throat> Sorry? Oh, this, yes, that one. Hand up a story if you've heard the story of Bob Prince. <laughs> Would you like to tell it? No. Okay. Bob's past friend of mine. Bob was in Adelaide and uh, he was uh, working with youth at that stage in his life—youth, uh, young adults—and uh, there was one particular young guy who made a decision to follow Jesus, became a Christian, attended church, did all the normal stuff, uh, but sort of got off track stopped attending church, stopped, as far as Bob knows, you know, reading his Bible, fellowshipping with followers of Jesus. And uh, used to love riding his motorbike and got into all sorts of things in his life. And here he is, this young 19, 20, 21-year-old, riding through the hills of Adelaide on his motorbike and has an accident. And he goes through the railing and he plummets to the ground. Should have been killed, but he wasn't. Ends up in a mess in a hospital. Bob visited him. This young guy says to Bob, do you think that I would have gone to heaven? To which Bob said exactly what I said tonight. While you made a decision, there was no fruit that I was aware of and so I have no reason to draw the conclusion that you would have made it. To which the young guy said, you're wrong. When I went through my rail- that railing, these are his words, my whole life sort of like flashed before me and I realised where I was with God and that I was rebelling against Him and I repented and gave my life back to God before I hit the ground. You don't know, God knows. All we can do is discern from the fruit, the evidence, the conduct, the behaviour of how people behave. Where the word of God comes in, it does transform and change us. James says beautifully, but very clearly and strongly, in verse 18 well, he says in verse 17, "God is good. Every good and perfect gift is from above. It comes from our Heavenly Father doesn't change. And God is especially good to us, because He chose to give us birth, new life, through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first-fruits that's all created. God has acted in our life. He's changed us, transformed us, saved us. Through the word of truth, that's what James says. And now verses 19 to 27, the end of chapter 1, all fits together around that theme. We have received the word of truth and now that will issue forth in a difference, a change, not instant, it's not automatic, it's a process, it's growing. Some of you, like me, are grandparents, some of you, like me, are parents. When a baby is born they are not instantly mature and adults they go through a growth process it's messy and it's fumbling and stumbling and fun and annoying it's all of those things all wrapped up isn't it my daughter my granddaughter Marnie Kate's daughter we get regular videos from her Last video I got from Kate says, uh, warning, this, uh, vi- this material contains nude shots of my granddaughter in a bath, who is learning, she can now roll, can't walk, can't talk, but is so anxious to talk. Talks, yabbers all the time, doesn't stop. One day it'll come. She's maturing, she's growing, she's learning. Well, so too for us spiritually, we become followers of Jesus, we're given birth through the word of truth and then it's a process of us cooperating with that, being fed and growing and exercising and yet we stumble and yeah, we mess up and then we get up and we keep growing and changing, it's a journey. It's not a smooth journey, not in this world. Well, then James says to us, there has to be this cooperation with The process i have to operate oh are you going to do that for me that'll be great because i don't think i can operate two things at once tonight thanks new hearts in christ that's the passage james says to us verse 19 my dear brothers and sisters christians take note of this this is really important everyone without exception everyone should be quick to listen slow to speak slow to become angry He's not talking about personal relationships. Though typical of James, it's not that that's not on his agenda. There is another focus. He says, um, if you have a look at verse 18, he talks about the word of truth. If you have a look at verse 21, he talks about humbly accept the word that was planted in you. If you look at verse 22, he talks about listen to the word. But don't just listen, you need to obey it. In verse 23, 24 and 25 he talks about the Word, the Word, the Word, the context. is the Bible, it's the Scriptures, it's the truth of God. All that he is saying is revolving around our response to God's truth. And so verse 19 in particular, everyone should be quick to listen to what? To the Scriptures, to the Word of God. Everyone should be slow to speak. About what? About the Scriptures about our opinions and our views. And everyone should be uh, slow to become angry about what? About where the scriptures confront us and correct us and step on our toes. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth, he says so prevalent, and humbly accept the word that has been planted in you for your own sake. So let's go back. Let's take those quickly. But nonetheless uh, in order. James is saying to us that we are to respond to God's Word and in that process in responding to the Word of God is what leads to growth is what leads to change and our lack of responsiveness to God's Word is what doesn't lead to fruit in our life which is what indicates soils one two and three the influence of other things and not of Scripture. God has enabled us to hear his word and now we have the responsibility of keeping it and are guarding against anything that's going to make us deaf to what he wants to say to us in it. The reality is that God wants to speak to us so that we can grow to become more like the Lord Jesus. So the context of this passage is the Scriptures and it's how we respond to it. So number one, And I think there are about seven, maybe eight points that we will need to go flying through tonight. So by all means, listen to each of the eight, but you can't do all eight, it's gonna be at the end. Pick one, just pick one that you wanna work on this week that you're gonna do something about in your life. Um, We are to be quick to listen. As I said, God is the one who has enabled us to receive his word and now we are responsible for the way that we do here. We are to be eager to hear it, to read it, to listen to it, both audio tapes, hearing the Bible on, in your car or whatever or to hear the preaching of God's word, podcasts or in church, to memorize God's word, to investigate God's word, to examine it, to question it, to seek to understand it but most of all to obey it. Eager. To hear the biggest chapter in the biggest book in the Bible Psalm 119 which is all about the Scriptures God seems to be emphasizing for us I want you to read listen to know learn and study the Scriptures it's very important for our personal growth how are we to listen I like what Spurgeon says He says we should listen to the Bible, we should listen to preaching, like you're listening to a solicitor read a will and you're listening, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? So tonight as you listen, Lord what are you saying to me? What do you want me to get out of this? What do you want me to be doing with this? We're to be quick to listen, Samuel you know, speak Lord your servant is listening. And that's to be a daily response, to avoid becoming dull of hearing, you know, not being inclined to the Scriptures, not being interested in it at all. God saves us through the Word, His message of the Gospel, and God then gives us the Word in order to nurture us and to grow us and to change us, to become more like Jesus. So, of course, the evil one's number one attack is against the Scriptures. He wants to knock that out so that we can't do that. Number two, quick to listen. We should be, oh, slow to speak. Where's that one? This is going to be a long night, isn't it? <laughs> slow to speak, not speak slowly, but slow to speak up, slow to give your opinion, slow to argue, slow to disagree with young Christians particularly, out of their enthusiasm and sometimes out of own ego, just want to impress and they want to say things. I was like that. And sometimes because we don't have, we're not grounded enough, sometimes we utter error. I did that. Larry King, the old interviewer on TV, American, world famous, he once said appropriately, I never learned anything while I was talking. James doesn't say never speak, but he does say, be slow to speak, think about, prepare. In the ancient church, of course, remember, they didn't have Bibles in front of them. they were very rare. They were very few. So the scriptures were either recited from memory, so you were hearing it. Everything was a hearing, learning process. And so it was quite common for people actually to interrupt and to ask questions. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Which is the context of where paul instructs women to be silent in church a they hadn't been educated and b they had questions they wanted to learn and paul's instructions were well they were married ask your husband at home don't interrupt the fellowship and the flow of what's going on by all means continue to learn and that's part of the background to 1 timothy 2 which is that highly controversial passage which will get me totally distracted tonight but it's because the women weren't educated I don't permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over man, Why not? Well, because she hasn't been educated. Well, educator That's what Paul says. Let them sit, let them learn, let them grow. So it's a circumstantial, specific command. Some people, certainly, and you might know some, who are very opinionated, they're never silent, they're very quick to argue and to disagree. Or well, James is saying, be slow to speak against the scriptures, submit yourself. I still haven't figured it out but there was one particular occasion in my life where I don't like and I don't agree with people who say or think that people are worthless. Not sure what you think about that, some people think that's exactly what we should be saying about people, they're worthless, I don't like it and don't agree with it. My trouble is and it's a translation issue but in book of Romans in chapter 3 you'll find the Apostle Paul saying that because of sin all people are now worthless. Well, I sort of argued with God about that a little bit, and I'm still arguing. I'm still trying to figure that out. What does that really mean? It's an extreme statement. Well, this is the point. We will come to the Scriptures, and God will say things to us. Some things we will not understand, and some things we won't like, which is why he goes on to say that we ought to be slow to become angry. He's not talking about personal relationships, he's talking about angry with God and angry with the Scriptures, this low simmering resentment, this disagreement, I don't like that. Whether it's about the controversial issues, you name them, then people have different views or whatever, but we are to be slow to speak and we are to be slow to become resistant to the Scriptures, we are to submit ourselves... Because the reality is an angry response, a resistant response, is never a listening, teachable response. And God certainly wants us to be like that. You've heard the old adage, we have two ears and one mouth, so we ought to listen more than we speak. I love the, the rabbis' addition to that in which they say, the ears are always open, the mouth can be shut. And in fact, it's guarded behind two rows of teeth and two lips. Which is indicating that we ought to be very careful with the words that we use and especially about Scripture. James will come back to this in chapter 3 verse 1 where he warns not many of you should become teachers of God's Word. Why? Well because if you teach God's Word like I am tonight then you're going to be judged more strictly, bother. But you're going to be judged more strictly. Because you're responsible for what you are saying to people. God will hold us to a higher account. If we're going to grow in Jesus, if we've got a new heart, then this new life that Jesus gives us means that we're going to be quick to listen to God's word, slow to give our opinions and to talk about God's word, and we're going to be slow certainly to get angry and resistant to God's word. It also says, James goes on to say, that if we have a new heart in Jesus, we will remove sin from our life in verse 21. Therefore get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, all the leftover sin that we have in our life. We are fallen sinful creatures, God is in the process of um, sanctifying us, purifying us, cleansing us. It's an ongoing job, it never gets fully done but it is a process that we are to cooperate with. So the new heart will have a desire To take off the old clothes to take off the old habits to take off the old ways and if you follow jesus for several years and you'll start to even be aware yourself of changes that have come in your life how your attitude has changed i hope you can do that i can certainly say that about me when i was a, a a young man i was a very angry young man partly because of my upbringing and all other sorts of reasons but that's what we do when James says in verse 20, which I jumped over, human anger does not bring about or produce God's righteousness that he desires us for us to have. We're very good at rationalising and excusing our anger. It's because I have red hair. That was the way I was brought up. No, I'm just very frank. I just speak the truth how I see it. Yeah, No. None of those are excuses or justifications. If you're a changed person in Jesus, there will be a change in the way that you speak and the way that you feel. You will begin to control your anger. And again, it's not instant, it's a process. And some of you will find that easy and some of you will find that hard. But it's a process that we have to hold each other accountable for. So, slow to anger, remove sin. And finally, humbly accept the truth. James repeats this again. That we are to humbly accept. That's what happens, you humble yourself, it's like saying this is God's Word, doesn't matter what my opinion is and what I think, that's what God says. So if I rightly understand it, that's what I am to align myself with. Let God's Word have its way in you, in us. Comply with it, follow it, implement it, learn from it. That's what James is saying. So if I put all of that together very quickly, you do a heart check. Is your heart new in following Jesus? Is your heart apathetic towards God's Word? Then James says, be quick to hear. Are you prone to sprout arrogantly about what the Bible says and means and you think you know? James says, be slow to speak. Are you fighting against some aspect of the Word that is confronting you or correcting you? James says, Be very slow to become angry. You're tolerating some area of sin in your life. Excusing it, whatever. James says, then put aside all filthiness and all evil. Or finally, if you're resisting God's word, which is designed to save you, to deliver you. James says, in humility, receive the word which has been implanted. Which is able to save your souls not just from sin but is able to save your souls from temptation is able to save you from testing and in fact Proverbs chapter 4 it's even able to save you from some particular forms of sickness as we follow God's word he saves us he protects us God knows what's best for us and then he goes on with a major paragraph verses 22 to 25 In which he says, if you're a changed person, if your heart is changed and you follow Jesus, and you'll be a person who listens to and does, obeys God's Word. True hearing of God's Word will always result in the doing of it, in obedience. James uses the illustration, it's like looking in the mirror. Verses 23 and 24. Some people go to church, say they follow Jesus call themselves religious, or call themselves Christian, some people glance in the mirror. They see some things, they see their face, they see their hair all ruffled up or whatever, and then they move away and they immediately forget what they saw, what they observed. Their looking in the mirror has no response, no change in the things they do. That's what some people are like, James says, when they read the Bible. They glance at it tells them the truth, they immediately forget it. That describes some people and those people are spiritually in a very dangerous position, there's no effect, no response, no benefit to their life. On the other hand, James says, we are to look intently into the mirror, to learn, to observe, And whatever we observe to let that effect change in our life, whether it's comb your hair or wash your face or remove the mark or whatever it is that you observe. So we as followers of Jesus are to look into God's word intently, continuously, he says, and to not forget, but to do it. And the beautiful thing about verse 25, or the thing that I loved, was not forgetting what they heard, but doing it. They will be blessed in what they do. God wants to bless us, it says so in verse 12, says it again verse 25, God wants to, he wants the best for us and he says this is the best way that I can help you read my word, listen to it, don't argue and resist just submit to it and implement it into your life look at it continually, study it, learn from it over and over and over and continue the process because that Profound obedience will lead to blessing in your life, as God promises. If you get nothing else tonight, please get this. There's a world of difference between reading the menu in a restaurant and eating the meal, isn't there? Reading the menu and eating the meal. Reading the Bible, no response. No, no, read the Bible, understand the Bible as best you can, and then obey, apply it to your life, enjoy the meal, the nourishment that God is providing for us. The Lord Jesus says in John 13, 17, now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. I'm not sure if I have time for this, time's going I couldn't find it and I couldn't remember his name, I thought it was Count Tischendorf but that doesn't matter, it's not him, it's somebody else. There was a guy who was put in prison and he was there for like decades and after he passed away, the only book he had was a Bible. And after he passed away they went into the cell and on the walls of the cell I've written all of these Bible facts, Bible trivia and things. He had been reading the scriptures, studying the scriptures, counting things and he had things written on the wall like this. The number of books in the Bible, do you know? Number of chapters, number of verses, number of words, yeah, lots. Um, What's the middle book, the middle verse, the middle chapter? What's the shortest chapter, longest chapter, shortest verse, longest verse? Which verse in the Bible uses every letter in the English alphabet except the letter J? All written on the wall. He'd looked at it, studied it, counted it moved backwards and forwards, wrote down all of these interesting facts and figures, but didn't follow Jesus. He looked in the mirror. No application to life, no change. What a waste of time. God gave us his word to feed us, to nurture us and to transform us. So Bible reading is certainly important. Listening to God's word being taught is certainly very important. But don't make the mistake of reading the Bible, going to church, having communion, being baptized, doing all of the religious Christian things. This outward tr- religiosity is what James will call it. I don't like calling it religion, but that's what he does. Those who consider themselves religious, those who consider themselves devout, committed, pleasing to God. That's what he's talking about. And yet, three things don't keep a tight rein on their tongues. Well, you're deceiving yourself and your religion is a complete waste of time. It's worthless. Sign one, that you're passionately following Jesus the way you speak. Keep it tight, rain on your tongue. Number two, verse 27. Religion, what's that one say? That one. Next one. Religion that God the Father thinks is pure and faultless. You want the real thing? And look after orphans and widows in the distress. Look after people who are in need. Look after the vulnerable. Care for other people. And if your Christianity doesn't transform your heart attitude to the needy, to others, to love your neighbour as yourself, well, you've got the wrong thing. And finally, the third test is, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Personal purity, personal sanctification. John Wesley was... An interesting man, a wonderful servant of the Lord Jesus, he was once preaching and in the midst of preaching he noticed there was a lady who was present in the congregation who had a reputation for being a very critical lady. She kept glaring at him as he delivered the message that day and at the end of the service she came up to him, he had a particular new suit on, a new bow tie, all tied up with um, whatever, hanging down the strings of the bow she said the strings of your bow sir are far too long it is an offence to me he's a smart guy he went to the ladies and he said any of you ladies got any shears or scissors or anything yep so he got a pair of scissors came back to her gave her them he said trim it to your liking so she did she trimmed it all the way up here to the collar snip snip and he said are they right now yes they are and much better he said could I have the scissors back for a moment He says, I'm sure you won't mind if I give you a bit of correction. I must tell you, madam, that your critical tongue is an offence to me. It's too long. Stick it out. I'd like to take some off. James says, if you don't have a tight rein on your tongue, well, you're deceiving yourself transform followers of the Lord Jesus, the people who learn self-control, who learn about the way they speak. Does that mean we never stuff up? No. By the time you get to James 3, we all sin, we all say things that we shouldn't, that we're not perfect. But there are ways you deal with that, isn't there? When you say the wrong thing, you repent, you apologise, you say you're sorry, you try your hardest not to do it again and so on. The new heart looks after others, as I think we already said widows and orphans symbolise all of the, represent all of the people who are in need and if we are not caring for others, then our Christianity is empty. It's worthless, it's not the real thing. And please note this, while it's quite acceptable and it's terrific that we contribute money and we give through other people and we give through other organisations and other programmes and all of those things to help the needy, that's fine. What James is talking about, by all means do that, What James is talking about is using your own hands and getting involved yourself, personally, in helping others. Whatever that means for you. And to keep yourself pure, uh, to keep yourself from being polluted by the world, is very simple, as you know. Just as a surgeon has to have clean hands before they operate, so Christians, as we follow Jesus, the purer, the cleaner, the more... Confessed up and forgiven and sinless, that we are, the more sanctified we are, the more like Jesus we are, the more effective we are for Him. Sin compromises us, compromises what God can do through us, limits God's influence, doesn't limit God, but limits what He does through us. So you need to examine your life. Is there anything in your life where you are not pure? Where, you're not, where you are being polluted by the influence of the world. And look, we're all different. What influences one may not influence another, so it's between you and the Lord. Check out, do a heart check. Is it the TV program? Some TV programs are not suitable for you. Is it the books you read? Is it the places you go? Is it old habits of God? Is it peer pressure? Or is it some relationships that you may have to terminate? Some movies you can't go and watch? I love my daughter-in-law but there are movies that I can watch, then Rhonda can watch but that she can't watch because it affects her. We're different. They don't judge each other, it's judge yourself and examine yourself, Is your life pure. Okay, well out of all of this, what do we do? Well, let me suggest these quick things. Take one of the verses out of this passage, maybe even take the whole passage and maybe even this week. If you don't have a Bible reading program, then take take it in three parts, three paragraphs, as it is in the NIV. Take two days to read that paragraph and read it for two days. Lord, what are you saying to me through it? Take a pen and a paper and write down what you think, what questions you have. Journal it. Maybe even pick out of all of those verses, which verse struck you the most? Maybe memorize it. Commit it to memory so that God's words, the Bible says, your word have I hidden in my heart, I've memorised it, so that I might not sin against you. Memorise something. Read the scriptures each day. Is there something in that passage you need to be working on, dealing with? That's for you to figure out, but to do. I encourage you to do that. Uh, There is some notes I had here that I don't want to go into now, but it's got um, how to be a better listener. You want a copy of that? Well, you didn't come and ask me. How do I journal? Well, there's notes here. I can give you a copy of that if you would like some, but you've got to ask. Conclusion. God gave us birth through his word of truth. Verse 18. God desires for us to be righteous like Jesus as we follow him. Verse 20. And God wants to bless us verse 25 God is not against us he's for us he saved us he loved us he's not mad at us he's mad about us he just wants in a very close relationship with him and the way to do that he has told us in this passage through his word verse 19 my dear brothers and sisters take note of this this is important. It's for everyone, without exception. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Absorb and take on God's word. Remove sin from your life. Accept, humbly accept his word. Listen to and implement, obey God's word. Don't let anger control you, but rather let the Word of God control you. Remove sin from you as best you can. And be committed to being a person who is as pure as they can be on the choices you make in your life. God bless. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, your Word, like so often, is deep. And it's profound. And oh, it's absolutely true. Could you help us, Lord, to respond to this passage tonight? Not by trying to do everything, but by focusing upon that area of our life where you are right now putting your finger on, where you're nudging us, saying, I want you to do something about that. Could you help us to reread it? And above all, Lord, help us not just to read and understand it, but to apply it, to obey it, to do it, to be changed and transformed by it, that there might be fruit in our life, because you've loved us and you've given us new birth through your word of truth. So, Lord, change us, please, to be like Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.